Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing overcoming common financial mistakes. And there are mistakes that we all make. Uh, however, there's a few that are more common than others. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about those mistakes. And specifically, we're going to talk about how to bounce back from those mistakes. Because that's, you know, that like that's the real important part. Yeah, bouncing back is, is huge. Getting back up on the horse. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of analogies I think we could throw. I'm not a gymnast, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Like, there, there's just, there's so many ways... There's so many places we could go with this, um, but but yeah, when we make a mistake, fixing it and learning from it is so crucial to being able to move forward in a positive manner. So yeah, we're going to talk about that today because it has just a major impact on how we progress in our financial lives. Uh, but Matt, before we get to that, I wanted to mention a website that I recently stumbled upon, and I think especially since we're kind of in the, the Christmas shopping season at this point in time, uh, that it, it might be helpful to a lot of people. It's called BrickSeek dot com brick seek and like you're looking for a brick <laughs> yeah uh, but it's brick seek um but yeah and, and so it helps you find bricks locally to where you are no oh, that's it, a great website yeah, you know it's like <laughs> a brick and mortar essentially it's it's pointing you towards deals at brick and mortar shops near where you live there you go and so it's it's pretty cool because in-store deals can actually be way bigger than online deals sometimes an individual store might put something just on a, a massive clearance, whereas like nationally or online, you're not going to find that same price. Right. Or maybe even a market, right? Like a, the whole Southeast sees one particular item go um, at a, a major discount. And this website, BrickSeek, will identify um, some of those things. They'll, they'll post some of the popular items that are super cheap in, in certain retail locations. Um, but then you can also search for items. And maybe you'll find a, just a, a, a much better deal in a local brick and mortar store than you would ordering from an online retailer. So it's just like one more place that people can check in order to, to try to find a, a better price. Yeah, you can't beat those aggregators, right? Because we don't have 
have the time to, to go from website to website trying to find the best deal. Sometimes you need an aggregator like this. Calling all my local electronics retailers. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. That's right. not, not how I'm going to spend my time. Making associates walk the aisles to <laughs> hunt prices for me. Dude, they don't even do that anymore. Like That's the thing. You, if you actually try to call up a place, very few employees are going to say, yeah, let me go check uh, check the price on that. Like They don't do that. <laughs> and so having... I agree, man. This is great. Having the convenience of being able to shop online without paying sort of like that additional fee for shopping online uh, and not looking for those local deals. Uh, I, I see this as, as being a great site because, man, I love shopping online. I do not like shopping in person anymore. I think store closures uh, during the pandemic only kind of reinforce that. It's like, oh, yeah, this is this is how things should be for me. Yeah, literally <laughs> I like, like things showing up. The only store I go into anymore, the grocery store. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. yeah. That's the way it feels. Yeah, specifically Aldi. Uh, <laughs> have you been up to Costco recently? You got to make sure you have your mask, though. That's right. No, you always have to wear a mask in Costco. I mean, Aldi, you know, they implement the masking too, but I guess it just wasn't like this national announcement like when Costco did it. Yeah, no, I, I've been to Costco a couple of times since the mask mandate went into place. And I feel like they've run things really, really well. The top-down communication to the employees and then the way the employees are implementing, you know, the social distancing at the checkout and stuff like that, they've done just a, a fantastic job through this. The real question is, can you buy a box of 500 masks at Costco? <laughs> <laughs> Not 500, but I think you can get a box of 50. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Which is still like 10 times more than what you could probably buy at Aldi. Right. Yes. <laughs> Which is like, here's a small package of five masks. It's really cheap. And then get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Return your cart. Take your quarterback. All right, man. Let's go ahead and introduce our beer for this episode. We are drinking a Hydrus double IPA. This is by Two Tides Brewing. Uh, this is another one that you picked up while you were down there with your bride down in Tybee for a little anniversary trip, man. I'm looking forward to sharing this one with you on the show and yeah, talking about it at the end of the episode. Me too. All right, but let's get on to the, the subject at hand for today. Today, we're discussing overcoming common financial mistakes. And some money mistakes are small, and the impact is more like a, a blip on our radar, right? It's not that big of a deal. Other money mistakes can be like an albatross, and they weighs us down for, for years to come. But whether our mistake is more of a bump in the road, or if we've made a mistake that will impact us for a long time to come, it's important to learn how to overcome these mistakes so we can move on and start kicking butt with our money again. Yeah. <laughs> this episode, we're going to cover some common mistakes that we make, how we can pivot uh, to handling money well in those circumstances, as well as some important behavioral changes we all need to make so that our mistakes don't weigh us down for too long, creating like a, a quicksand-like effect, Matt. You're like, always like referring back to quicksand. You the know, Princess like Bride. The prince, I was yeah. Thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but like if we do that, if we let those mistakes like overwhelm us and keep us down for too long, it does kind of make it harder for us to move forward. It feels like our, our feet are stuck. Um, and, and so, yeah, we have to talk about how to like get past those things. One, so that they don't happen again. And two, so that we can, you know, move forward and plow, plow ahead. Yeah, you know my favorite quicksand reference? Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh, there you go. It's one of the underrated Super Mario Brothers, but the uh, on the original NES, uh, Super, Super Mario Brothers 2 had quicksand, uh, and that was the one where the levels were like vertical as well as horizontal, so you yeah. could like drop down, quicksand, drop down to different levels, pull turnips and uh, other vegetables up out of the ground. <laughs> I think Super Mario 3 was my fave, but 2 was... Well, 3 was three was classic because yeah. you could fly, but, yeah. uh, but 2 was... Yeah, that one was pretty good. Too. That was good, too. Underrated, for sure. Okay, but let, let's get back to financial mistakes, though. You know, I think the, the biggest problem here isn't that we make mistakes, right? Because we, we talked about this. We all screw up from time to time. But in fact, I think the real issue is when we don't learn from those mistakes, right? You know, on the surface, this seems like maybe a pretty straightforward thing, right? You know, we make a mistake, we see the consequences of it, and, and we learn. And then we just need to avoid doing it again. Simple recipe. Right. But the thing is, it's a little trickier than that because, you know, like you have to ask yourself, are you just addressing the symptom of your mistake or are you actually getting to the core of the issue? That's why it's important to ask the question, why are we bad with our money, right? Well, it might give us a little bit of comfort to know that everyone does make some occasional money errors. That doesn't get us any closer to handling our own personal finances better. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get to that. Let's let's address the why here. Sure. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think first of all, it's just a really intimidating topic for a lot of people, right? right? Money in general, and when something's intimidating or a little bit scary, we tend to avoid those things. And I think that's uh, really the, the biggest reason why so many people make money mistakes. Money feels like uh, a big bad boogeyman, and they just <laughs> don't want to go anywhere near it. Uh, so like, for example, like a lot of people are intimidated by the idea of going to a gym to work out, right? All the types of fancy equipment, all the super fit folks there who, who know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Passing judgment on you once they see you walk through the door, like, look at this tall skinny guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's like, whose biceps invert. <laughs> you know, like... It's it's I feel like that is something that has kept me from going to the gym before. It almost feels like you got to get fit 
before you go in <laughs> the gym <laughs> so you can fit in. Uh, but I think that's, again, similar with money where, um, where there's like a barrier to entry and we're a little freaked out and that definitely leads to a, a lot of mistakes that we make because we just avoid the subject altogether. Yeah, totally, man. And, you know, oftentimes I think the reason that it can be intimidating is because we're ignorant, right? Like that's not to say someone is a complete idiot, but that they just simply lack the knowledge about a specific topic. You know, like personally, I'm ignorant of a lot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I can vouch. Of different things out there. <laughs> like a lot of times it's because I choose to. Like there are things that don't pertain to me. But once we've identified that this is something I need to pay attention to, that's when it's time to fix it, you know? And so in the gym example, like if I knew the proper way to say perform a power clean, you know, even if I was just getting started working out, like I would be able to have the confidence and know that I'm doing it the right way. That would give me the, that would encourage me to continue going. Right. And the same thing is true with our money. Most of us don't have parents who taught us many of these lessons. And so because of that, we lack the the proper know-how. And that's oftentimes, I think, part of the reason why we are so intimidated as well. It's knowledge. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think a lack of knowledge is definitely an important key to this. And, and we've talked about this before, just that almost none of us were taught about personal finances growing up in, in school or at home. And that definitely only increases the intimidation and ignorance factors. So consistently learning about money so you aren't in the dark about how to handle money well is important. And know that you can't learn everything overnight. I think that's one thing people try to do is like, can I amass everything I need to know about money uh, in a few days or a week (laughs) so that I'll be okay? And sometimes, Matt, the questions that we get even, it's like, I really want to fix this, but I want the quick solution. Um, And there's not always a quick solution. And just the nature of personal finances too. It just takes a long time to save up your money. It takes a long time to kind of straighten out your credit. You know, like it's it's one of those things. It's like inherently money takes time. Yeah. And getting rich or getting wealthy, like building wealth it, it's a slow burn like it, it takes a lot of time right and compounding takes years and decades yes. to happen um, but you can i think consistently work to increase your knowledge with podcasts blogs and books uh, once you realize that you're not informed the knowledge gap i think is rarely an excuse with all the resources that are available I right think the intimidation factor makes sense the ignorance factor makes sense but there are ways to overcome those and, and part of that is to seek out that knowledge consistently um, and there are just a lot of people out there creating things to try to support you in that. Yeah, and unfortunately, we live in a culture that we know tends to avoid talking about money. And we've seen that the more we avoid talking about something, the more it becomes taboo. And then, you know, there's this perpetual cycle of individuals making poor money decisions. So it's important for personal finance for that to become a a more common topic. You know, it's not difficult for us to start, you know, with maybe light or casual conversation with our friends. Like you could maybe ask them, hey, like, what did you do with the, uh, the stimulus check back there, you know, back in the spring? It's something that we, you know, most of us all received. Or you can ask them like, hey, like, where, you know, where do you bank? That's also something that's a, an easy question because like we all have our money somewhere. And so starting there versus like, hey, how much, uh, like what percentage of your, of your paycheck do you save every single month? <laughs> like, you know, like you want to warm up to that. Or what's your craft beer budget? That's another good question, right? <laughs> get, get things started. Yeah. Like, what is it? that you spend your money on. Yeah, yeah. And then also too, we, we sometimes make money mistakes when we when we have the proper knowledge. We know what we're supposed to do, right? So so it's not even a lack of that, but we allow emotions to get the best of us. So whether it's fear and someone ends up selling a bunch of funds in their retirement as the market's tanking, right? It, you're just scared and, and that causes you to make a, a terrible money decision. Or maybe it's fear of missing out or greed. When you're buying single stocks and companies, you just don't know very much about Maybe it was a Twitter stock tip that you saw. <laughs> You're just jumping in on that hype. Yeah, exactly. Or like somebody on CNBC randomly touted one company that's poised to shoot through the roof. And you're like, all right, I'm in. Um, that is not a good idea, right? Sometimes we're our own worst enemies when it comes to how we handle our money. And oftentimes that is the behavioral side, the emotional side kicking in, even when we fundamentally know what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that's right, man. So even though we we have the right knowledge, sometimes it takes us changing our behavior. And actually later on in this episode, we're going to talk about things that we can do, steps that we can take that will prevent us from making these mistakes, you know, ways that we can alter our behavior. But first, man, let's get personal. You know, you want to share with listeners uh, maybe a a big financial mistake that you've made at some point? It was the Maserati I bought. (laughs) just yesterday. It was a really bad decision. I thought you were going to say Mazda. I was like, wait, you love that car. <laughs> no, it's the Maserati, dog. Okay. <laughs> I love my Mazda. But uh, yeah, so I, I say it's interesting. I, I actually haven't 
made a massive financial mistake. And it's not, I'm not saying that to brag, but, but here's actually why that's the case. Um, my parents actually made quite a few financial mistakes when I was a kid. And those years when I was 11, 12, 13, 14, I was like just incredibly impressionable. And I saw just a lot of financial missteps that, that just had a big impact on our family. And so it's not that I haven't made um, financial mistakes in my life, but they've been really small. Like it's nothing that I can be like, I was in $50,000 of credit card debt right. or anything like that. Like I actually have never paid a dime in interest to the credit card companies, but so much of that was essentially going through, th- through some of those money hardships earlier on um, and learning from somebody else struggling with money in my life. Uh, and so that was like really hard. That's actually part of the, the reason I'm so passionate about money education now. And part of the reason this podcast means so much um, to get to create this together. But if I had to pick the the one thing about myself I, that, that I've struggled with, I would say it's the getting something on sale mentality. They just lasted for a long time. And I still struggle with a little bit, right? It's like, oh, if that's a deal, I'm going to get it. Even You're if I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even if I don't need it. And I might not even use it sometimes. I mean, I, I've fallen into that trap. And so just that sale mentality has been my biggest financial mistake that I've had to grapple with consistently over the years. But now that that's out of the way, I want to know yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that being said, I feel like maybe you have improved because Prime Day came and went, man. And like you said, several weeks ago, you didn't buy a single thing. So it's not a zero. You've, yeah, you've gotten better at it, man. Uh, but as far as my financial mistakes, I feel like mine were made mostly between the age of 16 and 21 or 22. <laughs> I lived really frugally. It's like most of all of our mistakes in life. <laughs> That's honestly probably true, man. It's like the biggest learning period, right? It's like your brain isn't fully developed yet. So, you know, not until like, what, you're 23. But you uh, think you're grown. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you have some money. Uh, in my case, so specifically in college too, like I was living really, really frugally. But however, ever since I was a teenager, uh, up until that point, I was really into cars. Not like really fancy, high-end, nice cars, but like I just had a certain type of car that I liked. And then after a couple of years, I you know I wanted to switch it up, and so I'd sell it and then get another one and kind of fix it up a little bit. I was really into SUVs. Uh, I may have even installed like a fancy bumper with a winch on <laughs> on one of my one of my SUVs back in the day. But I wasted a lot of money on vehicles. You know, like I could have still had a decent Jeep. Although that's a whole other story because Jeeps, you know, cost so much money to maintain. But even having just maybe purchased one of those instead of multiple Jeeps over the years, I made some yeah some bad mistakes. And because of that, I was parted with a lot of uh, that money early on. That's, I guess, a regret that I have. Like looking back, I'm like, how oh, so dumb. But at the same time, being able to make some of those like slightly smaller mistakes back in the day, that's an important part of growing up, right? And so, had I not made those errors early on, maybe I would be making larger mistakes today. Maybe I wouldn't be saving. Maybe you know, I, I wouldn't be doing smarter things with my money. But but yeah, hopefully, kind of through that learning process, I think that certainly helped me to to become who I am today. Yeah, I think that's a that's just a positive way to view the mistakes that we've made. I think sometimes I'm just it, trying to spin it, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes in our culture we tend to glorify failure or completely run away from it, right? Like uh, when we look at entrepreneurs who like failed twice, but then their third company was just this massive success. Where like there can be this sense in which that that failure is almost glorified, and it's like, look, the failure led me to here. Um, and we don't want to like glorify. Yeah, it, we're not trying think. to encourage failure, <laughs> right? <laughs> but but there is a sense too in which we we might failure shame, um, and so. I think we want to hmm. take a, a, a stance somewhere in the middle where we say, you know what, we're not like pro failure, but those failures will hopefully lead us to, to learn something and to make a positive change so we can move forward well. But yeah, we just shared our money mistakes. We'll get to kind of some other common ones and then how we can go about fixing those mistakes, learning from them. Uh, and we'll get to that right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, man, we are back from the break. We're talking about overcoming common financial mistakes. And so we, you know, we talked about why it is that we make these mistakes in the, in the last section. Uh, now let's talk about you know, what some of these common financial mistakes are. Uh, and one of those that we definitely want to cover is spending more than we bring in every single month. Sadly, way too common. Yeah, a lot of us have, have been in that position. Uh, and unfortunately, that leads to an inability to create any financial breathing room in our lives, right? Uh, then because of that, there is there tends to be a reliance on credit cards, which then often leads to debts, uh, and, and, and that exacerbates the problem, right? And the thing is, man, it's not just people who make minimum wage uh, that this impacts. You know, uh, People of all sorts of different income levels are the ones who are struggling with this. Um, it also makes me think about, see, like there are two sides of the equation here uh, if you're not making enough money. You can spend less and you can earn more. But the reason that we're focusing on spending less is because you can always earn more money. But if you haven't mastered this principle of spending less than you make, you are always going to, to raise your spending to meet that, that, you know, that level that you're earning. And so I feel like in this case, spending less than you make is sort of an important principle to, to have mastered before we even start talking about earning more money. You know, like it's just so foundational to getting ahead with your personal finances. Yeah, that's true. And I think this is such a big deal, Matt, because when you don't have any financial breathing room, it increases your stress levels and it inhibits your ability to actually save for the future and the goals that you have for down the road in your life. Like if you're exhausting every bit or more of what you're bringing in, you're robbing your future self and you're making sure that those goals that you have set out for yourself either aren't going to come about or it's going to be a million times more difficult because you're going to have bigger hurdles to overcome. So instead of overspending every month, it's really important to cut your spending and to do it quickly. And Matt and I, we've talked about different ways to do that. We had a recent episode about seven ways to save more money this week, uh, just like a, 
about a month ago. And go back and listen to that because there were a lot of easy ways to cut your spending, to, to bring money back into your life. Um, but there, there are just so many other ways you can go about it too. And if things are just in a really bad shape, uh, then you, you need to get help. And uh, we've mentioned these websites before, but nfcc.org or moneymanagement.org are two great websites to go to where you can talk to somebody for free, a not-for-profit uh, debt counselor. If you're in a really bad spot and you've been doing this for way too long, that's the direction that, that Matt and I would encourage you to go in. Yeah, let's talk about becoming a, a payment buyer, man. This is one of the ways that we're able to, to easily fall into this trap of spending more than we make. You know, Only focusing on the payments is a symptom of just getting way too comfortable with debt. Uh, we, we think, oh, I can afford a $600 a month uh, car payment <laughs> you know, without thinking about the overall cost of that car. Yeah, and we, we stretch the payments out for seven years instead of uh, three or four, which, which would just make so much more sense financially in our lives because we become payment buyers. Yeah, and unfortunately, too, it's, it's not just on big things like a car, um, like folks are getting payment plans for anything from clothes to, to dental work to a new HVAC. I recently saw that Microsoft, they are, are kind of doing this with the new Xbox. Um, instead of having to pay like 500 bucks up front, they're having folks sign up for this payment program that's stretched out over 24 months, over two <laughs> years. Uh, and this isn't good. You know, they're, they're doing this obviously to soften the blow of this massive expense in a lot of individuals' lives. The real problem here isn't that it's a monthly payment. It's the fact that they can't get out of it. They're locked into it. Like if you like read the, the fine print, it's a no interest loan and it's not something you can get out of. Yeah. <laughs> like well, that's the real problem. You know, like I don't mind having being signed up for subscriptions. Like I've got software that I'm a you know subscriber to where, you know, every month there's like 10 bucks that, you know, that comes out of my account. It's kind of annoying, but I get it. But the fact is, I could pull the plug on that at any point. It's when you're locked in like this and you haven't thought about those long-term ramifications. Like That's when I think it can really bite you in the butt. Yeah, and you mentioned that, that these companies do it to try to help soften the blow. And, and that's right. why we do it too. Like We, we want to soften the blow to our budget and we think that it makes the most sense to pay something out over time. But oftentimes that means you know paying interest um, that we wouldn't otherwise have to pay. Oftentimes, it means buying something that we can't actually afford if we have to stretch out the payments, right? So if you can't afford that piece of clothing on whatever website's offering to allow you to stretch the payments over six months or a year, if you can't afford to buy it now straight up, you shouldn't be buying it. Um, those are the kind of decisions that we, we have to make. Becoming a payment buyer is just far too common in our society, and it's something that we should probably all start to avoid a whole lot more. It's it's gotten too easy to borrow money for really small items <laughs> that we should just be paying for um, all at once. Yeah, I feel like every single one of those additional payments is just like one more string in this sort of like knotted tangled mess exactly, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that becomes your finances. Exactly. Yeah, completely. All right. Let's talk about another common financial mistake uh, and it's neglecting your credit score. Mm. There's a segment, Matt, of personal finance nerds that think that credit scores are meaningless. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but but that ain't true, right? No. Uh, they influence so many things in our lives. Your credit score actually is important to stay on top of, right? And so like staying on top of it, working to raise your score will ensure that you qualify for lower rates. It'll help you get lower insurance premiums. And it could even be the deciding factor in getting a new job. You know, Some jobs look at your credit score, um, depending on what sector you're working in and, and if there are security clearances involved, right? Uh, we kind of broke that down in episode 10 and in episode 113, we talked about rebuilding a rough credit score. But this is just a, a facet of your personal finances where if you play dumb or you choose not to think about it, you're costing yourself a lot of money and a lot of potential headache. Credit scores are important and so you can't neglect it. Yeah. And at the same time, it's also important to point out that credit scores aren't the end all be all. You know, I think sometimes folks can put maybe too much emphasis on the credit score and they're, they're almost even willing to do kind of dumb things just to get their score a little bit higher to or the perfect 850. Right. <laughs> and, and, and once you're at that level, it does not matter. But obviously, if you have a score that's hurting, you want to make sure you're taking proper steps to to heal that credit score. But at the same time, I think it's, it's one of those things that I think money nerds can kind of fixate on where they're just like, I yeah. got to get the perfect score. Yeah, there's uh, a sweet spot, just like everything, right? There's, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, got to find that balance. One other uh, common financial money mistake that folks make is just not paying yourself first or, you know, like putting off investing, basically. Maybe you've caught yourself saying this where you say like, oh, I'll, I'll do it someday. You know, like that's a, a common refrain or, well, I could only invest a little bit. So like I'll, I'll wait to uh, until I have a little bit more. That might be the mindset. That might be the angle that you're taking. But every single dollar that you begin investing now is going to sort of like take on this life of its own, you know, beginning the incredible process, this beautiful process <laughs> of compounding your wealth. 
wealth over time. Even if you can only invest, you know, five, ten, or, or twenty bucks a month, please get started. Uh, and you can even look to just apps to help you as well. Different little tactics that will give you this psychological boost. You can look to apps like Acorn. They can help you to to trick yourself into saving more if you're looking for ways to kind of get some traction, get the ball moving forward. Yeah. And I think especially in recent years, Matt, this excuse of like, well, I don't have very much to invest. It's kind of gone by the wayside, especially as the major low cost investment platforms have instituted really small minimums or no minimums at all to begin the process. Right. So you don't have to have uh, a couple thousand dollars to get started. You really can get started with five dollars. Yeah. So great, man. Like we we are seriously living in like the golden era of the democratization of personal finance. Right. (laughs) Like the knowledge is there. The access is there. You don't have to know a guy Uh, (laughs) like you can just download the app and get started. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, that is a, a big money mistake. And there are ways to overcome that mistake, right? Uh, so those are just a, a few of the common ones we wanted to highlight. But let's talk about the overcoming part of it, Matt. How do we overcome money mistakes in general? Let's get to some strategies for how we identify and then start fixing those mistakes to, to make progress. We'll get to that right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. 
That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Joel, we are back for the break, man. We're talking about financial mistakes. Uh, we've talked about some of the specific ones that we see a good bit. So let's talk about how to kind of move forward after you know making a, a money screw up. And first of all, the first thing that you need to do is to admit your mistake, right? This is tougher than it sounds. Most of us don't like to admit our failures when we mess up. We either pretend that they you know, didn't happen or, or we try to minimize them. Uh, sort of like we were talking earlier, right? But by admitting your mistake and, and facing it straight on, uh, that's just so crucial to overcoming and actually making some forward progress. Yeah, you and I are no different than any other human in that regard, right? I think it, it's hard for me to fess up to failures or to admit a mistake. And, and to me, I think it sounds simple, but... In reality, <laughs> it's fighting every instinct in our body to admit that we were wrong. Um, and so you know, it's funny. I was actually on a podcast recently, a, a parenting podcast, who, oh. uh, which one of my friends hosts. And he asked me uh, a piece of advice about how you relate to kids. It's like the last question they ask every guest. And my piece of advice was to apologize to your kids. I think there's something so powerful about admitting a mistake and especially admitting a mistake to, to your children. It creates a sense of trust and it creates a sense of humility in the parent at the same time. Like, I don't always get it right. And that's just like, I think that's such an important dynamic in parenting, but also when it comes to money. Yeah, that's so true, man. I, I think, you know, apologizing like that and, and admitting mistakes, that can be difficult to do when like your pride is on the line. But I feel like as I've gotten older and it's, it's in particular, when you have kids, like I don't care about my pride nearly as much as, <laughs> as I used to. You it's know? gone out the window. Yeah. Like I don't have time for pride. Let's just correct the mistakes, move forward. Let's make sure we're taking the right steps. Let's make sure we're being caring. Let's make sure we're doing the right thing with our money. Right. And so when you're changing like poopy diapers and you're getting like spaghetti, <laughs> you know, cleaning spaghetti stains off the walls and stuff like that, like yeah, your, your expectations for a lot of things go down. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about admitting your mistake. Like that's the context here. We're talking about how to kind of broadly overcome any mistake out there. So that's the first thing. Admit your mistake. Next, let's talk about minimizing the damage, right? Can you quickly turn the tables and go in a different direction after you've made a mistake? Uh, some of these errors are going to be more easily remedied than others. For instance, maybe you haven't been investing, right? Like it's just been kind of on the back burner. Well, that's something you can get up to speed uh, and, and kind of resume that pretty quickly and pretty easily. On the other hand, let's say you have a mortgage that's too costly for your budget. Like that's going to be a little bit more difficult. But even still, there are ways to minimize that, right? Uh, it just might take longer. You could rent out a room. Maybe you can even sell your home to downsize or you can kind of rent that house out. There are ways that you can correct these wrongs, uh, ways that you can minimize the damage. It could be a quick fix uh, or it might be something that takes you know months or even years. Yeah. And, and Matt, we were just talking about pride. Sometimes to minimize the damage, it means doing something that that brings a little humility into your life. And right. it does mean letting go of some of your pride because maybe you don't want to rent out a room in your house when your family lives there. It's a little embarrassing, it, right? It, it might be embarrassing. And the kids might be like, huh, who's living down in the basement now? But <laughs> it's one of those things where... That's your new Uncle Tony. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where to, to right the financial ship, to overcome the mistake, you might have to do something that is going to eat into your pride in order to get your finances back on the right track. So yeah, just one of those things, right? To minimize the damage is, is super important. Um, and on that note, Matt, the sunk cost fallacy is an important thing to kind of mention here. I think there's so many ways in which we could easily see how the sunk cost fallacy impacts us, but often in the moment, it's hard to recognize. Right. Like like how we keep reading a really crummy book because we feel like we're pot committed. I'm like 50 pages in and I want to know what happens even though it's like a boring read. Uh, but we do the same thing with financial decisions. Well, I guess I have to keep that car because I have a payment for the next three years. 
No, you don't have to do that, <laughs> right? Even if you're going to lose money on the transaction or you're a little upside down, you got to bring some money to the table to get rid of that car. It still makes sense to get out from under it in order to avoid losing even more money in the future. So yeah, I think when we're talking about minimizing the damage, we have to overcome the sunk cost fallacy at the same time. And once you've minimized the damage, once you've stopped that bleeding, uh, we can begin to move forward. Uh, and an important part of moving forward is to not make that mistake again, right? I feel like that's part of the healing process is to not, to not reopen that wound. It's the tourniquet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's important to, you know, to remember the pain of a, a previous money mistake, but then to implement changes that will help you to avoid making that same mistake again. So let's continue uh, with that new car example that you just said. It's not a terrible decision for everybody, right, to get a new car. But if you did purchase a new vehicle and you have a problem affording the payments or maybe you realize that it's not worth the money, well, next time stick to a car that's going to be more affordable that you can buy with cash. However, if you don't learn from your mistake uh, and you do the same thing again, uh, basically you're kind of just digging yourself into the same hole again. It's clear that you haven't learned from that mistake, and that's not the position you want to find yourself in. Yeah, that, that happens to a lot of people, Matt, where they are in a car for a couple of years, and they're like, I don't really like this one. I want another one. And they trade in that car. They roll in the old loan into a new one. They owe way more than the new car is worth by far now because they've essentially doubled down on the mistake right. that they kind initially made. It sounds like me in college, <laughs> minus the, the payments. I never did yeah. it with payments, thank goodness. Well, that's good. But, uh, but yeah. So Matt, when we say stop making the mistake, I feel like it's often easier said than done. And I think stating it that way to someone is probably not a really <laughs> helpful thing to say. <laughs> just stop. stop doing it. Just stop doing it, man. <laughs> stop but, being an idiot. But we're trying to provide, like, within that phrase, I think there's a whole lot we can unpack, right? Yeah. Well, so earlier, we talked about our behavior. Like, even though we might know the, the right thing to do, like, we have knowledge, right? Like, that's the solution to not knowing. Like, if you don't know how to do something, you get knowledge, then you know how to do something. But then additionally, behavior, like that's the other aspect of it that we need to make sure that we're staying on top of. Because even though we know the right thing to do, that doesn't always mean that we are going to actually do the right thing, right? Right. Yeah. So, so let's talk about some of those positive behavioral steps that we can take. And one of them is getting some accountability, like a personal finance partner for life. It's just really helpful to have someone to talk with about earning money, saving and investing, and definitely someone to talk about before you make a major purchase in your life or have a, a major expense. Someone to bounce things off of, whether that's your partner, spouse, best friend, um, uncle, aunt, like it doesn't matter, but find somebody who knows a little bit more than you and can kind of help you be thoughtful about your money. I think that's such an underrated thing, right? In the money space is to have someone that you can talk to and have frank conversations about the things that you're going through. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would even counter because you said like, look to somebody who maybe knows a little bit more than you or might be like kind of further down that path. But even just talking to a peer, like somebody who isn't you, <laughs> like somehow, uh, like what we're trying to do here is get you out of your own head. Yeah. Because uh, so often it's so easy for us, man, to stay like siloed and isolated within our own worlds uh, where people have no idea what's going on with our money. Uh, we can make purchases. They show up disguised in these brown cardboard boxes. So nobody knows what we're getting and what we're bringing into our lives. And we're spending all of this money. Uh, but just opening yourself up to being able to talk about these things with somebody else is so important. And you know, we talked about uh, reducing the amount of taboo around personal finance by just striking up a conversation with a friend. But that's, I mean, that's the first step in getting a personal finance partner, right? Uh, you want to make sure you're able to have a good conversation with somebody. And if that's somebody who you can then kind of take that conversation further... Who doesn't well, run away screaming because <laughs> you started <laughs> exactly. talking about money. That I mean, that's essentially a, an accountability partner. Uh, and I know, Joel, like for you and I, like you, we have found our relationship so incredibly helpful in this way. That's basically how the podcast started. You know, we would kick around these, you know, personal finance ideas or investing in real estate back in, you know, like that was essentially kind of how it started. But that's just so helpful for us to have somebody to, to kind of be like, hey, what do you think about this? Or like, I'm thinking about doing this. Uh, it's so incredibly helpful. Obviously, in both of our cases, we both have wives. And so like our spouses are such an important part of our lives, uh, obviously, but they should be a big part of everybody's personal finances as well. Like I, I think when individuals kind of have their own money, where that's a topic of conversation that never, ever comes up. I think that's not super healthy. I, I think it's okay to have your own money where you have like, you know, it's earmarked for you and you can spend it however you, however you want. That's, you know, that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the conversation of your money together. I think it's so important to make sure that if you have a, a partner that you're committed to, that that's something that you are talking about. Yeah. And, and I think it's okay when one partner 
kind of shares the burden of, of most of the money load. We all divvy up chores in different ways in our house, right? But but I think it does need to be probably at least along the lines of like an 80-20, where, where the, the partner who's less involved needs to be involved to a certain degree, right? Because if you're completely checked out of the conversation, um, I just don't think it's good overall for, for the health of your relationship and, and the health of your finances. Yeah, it doesn't put you as an individual in a great position down the road or, or anything you know unfortunate or weird to come up. Yeah, for sure. And, and Matt, one other really important uh, tool to help us stop making the mistakes is to increase the level of automation in our personal financial lives. We all have moments of clarity when we're more likely to make the right decision. And during those rational moments, that's when we should be setting up the rules that dictate where our money goes. That way, in times of forgetfulness, when our willpower might not be as strong, like we're, we're still set up to do the right thing. And whether that's automatically paying your credit card in full every single month so you don't forget um, to pay that bill or automatically increasing your 401k contribution every single year, setting things up once and then taking them off of your mental to-do list is so key to avoiding potential mistakes in the future, right? So yeah, I think having that personal finance accountability partner and then increasing the level of automation in your life. There's just two really, really robust methods for stopping making some of the mistakes that, that, that we commonly make. And that might pop up again and again. Totally. Yeah. Dude, I think there are some folks who might kind of discount automation a little bit because they're like, oh, that's not, you're not really like doing the hard work of like making sure you're, you're staying disciplined and, and doing the right thing. But obviously, we don't feel that way. <laughs> we feel that automation is such a, an important tool. Well, money shouldn't be like boot camp, man. You it know? Sh- it, like at times it might need to be, but yeah. but for the most part, like money's fairly easy once you know the rules and you can automate some things. And here's why... If it's an eternal boot camp, you're going to hate your life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and here's the thing too. Once you set up these you know methods of automation, what I find really interesting is the fact that this is happening over and over. I, th- I think it begins to change how you view things. And so even though maybe once, like you said, Joel, like in a moment of clarity, you've thought through, this is how, this is where I want my money to go. This is how I want to invest it. Or this is how I want to make sure I'm, I stay on top of my credit card. Well, even immediately following that, even if like you don't really care about that, or like maybe you, you're even kind of like annoyed at yourself for having done that because you want to do something else with your money, over time, as those payments are made or, or as those deposits are, are automatically deposited into your retirement account, I feel that that becomes a part of who you are. Your identity becomes sort of attached to these things because you are doing it. Like these are things that you've set in motion. Those actions and those behaviors, even though they're automated, I think we still sort of absorb those and they become a, a part of who we are. So all that to say I don't feel that automation is like a cheat code or any sort of shortcut because I feel that those repeated actions, that behavior happening on a regular basis like that, uh, it shapes who we become. I think you're right, Matt. And I think just like habits have a big impact on our lives, right? Forming those good habits, just ensure that we're going to do the right thing consistently. But if we have to force ourselves continually to try to do the right thing, it's so much harder. So so let's form the habit. Let's start the automation process because it's just going to make it easier on us, man. We're, we're humans prone to mistakes and automation is just going to help us prevent some of them. And I think the last thing really to to talk about here when it, while we're discussing overcoming financial mistakes is to let it go. Sometimes we have to like let it roll off our back, you know, like water off a duck's back. Elsa style. Matt, can you sing that? Let it go? <laughs> my, my daughter is definitely good. <laughs> and I can too, but not on the podcast. All right. Yeah, we've, we've definitely... Um, you've sang a couple of times on the podcast before, but... It's true. That's We don't want to hear that one. Let's, let's make it a rare thing. The okay? range is too high, you know? It's too high. <laughs> but I think um, letting it go, not defining yourselves, like you were talking about, the more we automate things, the more we take the right moves, the more we define ourselves positively, not defining ourselves by the mistakes that we've made is crucial too. So whether it was a lack of knowledge... Like if you just known better, you might not have made the poor decision. Well, don't let it get you down for long. Not letting those mistakes live in your mind and kind of haunt you is key to moving in a more positive direction. Beating yourself up really accomplishes nothing, right? That's why we talked about some of these other methods for overcoming mistakes, because that's the method that I think we're prone to is just like replaying the scenario over and over in our minds and giving ourselves grief over the mistake that we've made. Um, and ultimately, that's not going to have any positive effects preventing you from future mistakes. So let it go. Be done with it. Yeah, again, this makes me think of Brene Brown. I've mentioned her on the show before, but her book, Daring Greatly, she talks about the the difference between shame and guilt, right? Shame is when you say that, like, I am a bad person. But then guilt is realizing that, like, yeah, I made a mistake. I did a bad thing, but how can I move forward? Uh, And she just talks about how guilt is so much better than shame. So we're saying, don't shame yourself. Uh, However, do accept the fact and fess up to the fact that you're guilty, you know, if you have made a mistake. And I think it's okay to remind yourself of that pain, uh, you know, to help you to avoid that 
that again in the future, but look forward. Like how can you take what you've learned uh, and to, and to ensure that this isn't a mistake that you'll make again? Yeah, for sure, Matt. All right, hey, let's move on to the the beer that we had on this Back episode. Back to the beer. Let's do it. This one was called Hydrus, a double IPA by Two Tides Brewing out of Savannah. What were your thoughts on this one, man? Dude, this is another fantastic beer from a beach brewery, <laughs> <laughs> like I teased uh, about on the last episode. They they might take exception to you calling them a beach brewery because Savannah <laughs> is not a beach town. Like Tybee no. is, but but not Savannah. Yeah, Savannah, dude, it's a really cool place. I feel Very like historic. Film they filmed uh, parts of Forrest Gump there. Dude, they film oh they film everything there now because of the the, the Georgia tax credits. That's true. Uh, right for the movie industry but uh dude this was a fantastic new england style ipa this is a double dry hopped double ipa so simply what that means is it's just uh, a little bit bigger in flavor it's, it had a lot more hot punch to it it had those nice delicious bitter notes while at the same time being balanced with a, a juicy uh ipa like this man i really enjoy this one and this is uh, a single that you and i are actually sharing sometimes you and i we have our own beer uh, but then sometimes we will share a beer just it just depends on how it you know depends on what you bring back <laughs> basically eight ounces each on this one yeah, yeah. so this is a, a tall boy that you and i split so we we both only got eight ounces i could totally have gone for a full 16 ounces of this just note note for next time okay all right i will <laughs> no this, yeah this was really good i think i think you're right it did really balance the bitter and the sweet which ipas like a really good ipa can have both notes going on simultaneously mm-hmm. and it can give you the best of both worlds and so yeah i just i really appreciated that um i packed with a ton of hot flavor um, i mean i've just been massively impressed with everything i had from two tides this beer was great yeah i'm looking forward to checking them out because like i mentioned before my, my brother-in-law is moving down there and so i'm Every single time we're, we, we go down there, I'm definitely going to make sure to, to swing by there. And I appreciate you. Thanks for uh, bringing this one back for us, man. Happy to do it, man. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. And for folks that want show notes for this episode, just go to our website at How to Money. We've got other resources there too, including articles that'll help you save more money. And if you've been listening to the show for a while and you found it helpful and enjoyable, in particular, if you've really enjoyed this episode, we would be incredibly thankful if you were to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a solid review over there. And maybe you've already done that. We'll let a friend or family member know about the show. Or a treasured pet. Only if they have opposable thumbs and can subscribe on their smart device. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's going to be it for this episode, Joel. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com.